Hey y'all, welcome back again to Romantically Lit, a cheeky little podcast that features two undercover hopeless romantics feed their soul by dissecting different black romance novels across the diaspora. I am Hannah. And I'm Odelia. And today, we'll be diving into a new book, which you've probably seen around, called Seven Days in June by Tia Williams. If you're into tropes about rekindling old love, hot summer spurs, and little bit of naughtiness, join us as we review the first seven chapters of Seven Days in June. And on that note, let's get into it. guys let's get right into it as my beautiful co-host mentioned uh <laughs> we're starting with a new book this week you know it took me a little time to say goodbye to uh honey and spice you know it's like when you, you get really into a tv show and then it ends and you're like okay well what do i do now and nothing seems as interesting i felt that way but Tia Williams, Seven Days in June has already, it's, it's already caught my eye a little bit. You know, I cannot lie. So yeah, as, as Hannah mentioned, we're going to get into the first seven chapters as we do. Um, and we're introduced to our main character. She goes by Ava Mercy. She's a 32-year-old erotica novelist. Her main books that she's written, she's written 14 of them, which is crazy, um, are, it's like Twilight, it sounds like Twilight, but better. Um, it does, you know, Twilight was like this Mormon, hidden Mormon message thing with no people of color and like, it wasn't good, but this sounds, you know, interesting, a little raunchy, but it is erotica. Yeah. There is vampires, witches, blood. Exactly. Um, no, you know, appropriating indigenous cultures. No, none of that. Uh, But anyways, the books are called Cursed and it's the story of Gia and Sebastian um and i guess essentially the the point of the book is they're in love with each other witch and a vampire g is a witch Mm -hmm. and he's a vampire but they can never be together sexually because as soon as they you know experience the big o yeah they'll be somehow teleported to other parts of the world that's kind of cool not gonna lie (laughs) so from what i understand i guess is they they know this but continue to cohabitate and then spend time finding each other Mm -hmm. that has to be it because for 14 to 15 books anyway so that's what homegirl's been writing she's been writing that for 15 years since she was like 20 years old Mm -hmm. got her first signing from the book and then dropped out of uni and took the world by storm or you know her little niche corner of the of the the book world um in that time she had a daughter she has a daughter her name is audrey she's 12 yes she is named after audrey lord yep um and And she's a militant this child of hers her daughter is a difficult (laughs) she's a middle she is she is she's a tyrant she is a 12 year old who runs your world okay she is a dictator in your household fair her mom is very lax so i'm not shocked uh part of that being is because um Ava is disabled. She experiences from when you understand really bad migraines. Like they just stop her whole world. Mm-hmm. Like she's had to take different types of opioids for them. You know, she's self-medicating with edibles, other injection things that 
I lack the medical knowledge to know about. So sometimes she just, you know, she just lets Audrey get away with stuff. But, you know, Audrey seems like a future therapist. She therapizes her classmates, charges them $20 a sesh, uh, which seems right because therapists are expensive, even the unlicensed 12-year-old ones. So she's a real dictator. So she she's just scheming <laughs> around. No, but her ideas seem good. You know, chocolate... Uh, meditation she the only problem i think is she does at one point diagnose a 60 year old boy with a a gluten allergy yeah mind you though if here's what i'm gonna say if a 16 year old is dumb enough to go to a 12 year old to find out if he has a gluten allergy and he's rich rather than go to the many doctors that his rich manhattan parents can afford he deserves whatever that 20 that 12 year old tells him um they live in Brooklyn. She says it's a cool neighborhood. It's it's diverse in the very uh, 2020s kind of diverse, you know, mm-hmm. same-sex couples, interracial couples. A lot of the kids, uh, they're, they're not white, but they're biracial and either half Asian, black and Asian. And the only difference between... Um, <laughs> the only difference between um Audrey and her fa- Audrey and her mom Ava is that Audrey is full black. Her parents both of her parents are black. So yep. Ava her baby daddy is black. He's not a pi- he not that he's not in the picture. He lives I guess he lives in California. He lives in California. He lives in California. That's He's a he Pixar animator. Yes, he is. Yeah, and um, I think in the first um, chapter, or I think it's the first chapter, she talks about the ma- how she ended up, you know, being with that man. They actually stumbled upon each other while she was in hospital in the Mount Sinai Hospital. I think it was called Mount Sinai. Mount yeah. Sinai. We Let should. me say senile. <laughs> Mount Sinai Hospital. <laughs> Um, and because of the debilitating, um, migraines that she gets, because that, that's, that's her, her yeah. invisible disability, her invisible disability is a migraine. So she had to, she can be in hospital for like two weeks straight because like they're putting her in an IV, yes. just trying to like, you know, try and curb the pain that she has. So I guess she's in chronic pain all the time. Yeah, in all her case. whole life. Um, so I guess like one day through like the hospital lobbies, um, she meets this man the Pixar animator and he's there like actually like drawing sketches of the patients I guess like the patients around I thought it was really cute and that's how they sparked their um their romance I guess he sounds okay he sounds okay until he sounds worse than okay because he divorced her or I think they had like a cordial divorce because he didn't want to raise a pa- oh, be married to a patient. He wanted a wife. Which is so unfair because it's not like she... First of all, it's for better or for worse. Okay. Okay. Some people don't believe in, in that sil- stuff. In sickness and in health. All yeah. right. That is what the priest says. Y'all hear it every <laughs> single Girl, we sin every single day. I'm not surprised some of y'all said, oh, and now then, you got an, now you got an issue? No, we can't be together no more. And like, um, I don't... And then the thing is, you even got a preview of what this was. But to be fair, they had been together for like six weeks. Yeah. And then got married. Yeah. Got pregnant. Seven months later, Audrey comes into the picture. So you don't know anybody in six weeks. You you can't see the full fledge of someone's chronic illness in six weeks. No. Most of us are still hiding parts of ourselves two, three, four months, five, six months, if you're me, into a relationship. You're still trying to pretend that you're you're normal and you don't have weird quirks. Let yeah. alone, like, the extent of your chronic 
uh, illness. Like, um, I remember, I think in when the chapter where we're given a backstory of how she met Audrey's father, sperm oh, we donor. We should probably go chapter by chapter. We should. We should. <laughs> um, but I think because we're like we're jumping through different yes. like we're trying to we're, essentially you guys we're trying to give you a picture of who Ava is what her life is about she has this twelve year old tyrant that runs a household, <laughs> um, but yes if we're looking at chapter to chapter specifically we begin well, well there's the a prologue, prologue where and in the prologue our main character Ava Mercy. Uh, she is she is having a DJ session as I like to call it if you get my drift. And she's got herself new equipment to help with the DJ session that's a little too powerful. And she almost chokes on her gum and dies, as she describes it. And in that moment, everybody has that, like, not really it's a near-death moment. <laughs> but, um, she, you know, every human has, like, several times where they're like, no, I definitely almost died. But you didn't really die. But in that moment, she's like, if I die, like the headlines going to read like death by dildo. So <laughs> she's doing um, and her poor 12 year old daughter is going to have to find her body like that. And she's I think she's just grasping with how like one, how weird that situation is. And then just how alone alone is a theme that comes on like romantically that she is mm-hmm. and but also brings up the fact that it should have been like a sign that something was going to happen. And an important part is that she's a Creole black woman from the South. Mm-hmm. Her family is from Belfler, Louisiana, I believe, mm-hmm. which is, uh, I guess, an ode to the author herself because T. Williams is also a Creole woman. Mm-hmm. Um, so it kind of leads into that. And then we get to chapter one and she is going to a fan dinner, which is crazy. I didn't know authors did this. They do. Um, I mean, those people are feeding you, right? Those people, those people pay your bills. I think it's like the 15th anniversary of her cursed series right, of right. like 100 books. And I think at this point, we started to realize who her demographic is. I was like, oh, no. I think, yeah. And I think this is the unfortunate part about yeah. like black artistry. Like, you can't really choose who, no. you know, hears your stuff, listens to your stuff, reads your stuff, watches your stuff. Yeah. Um, you get what you get, unfortunately. Yeah. And unfortunately for her, her book attracts white, middle-aged women from Ohio. Which makes sense, actually, because what it makes sense, because if the books are like 15 years old, those women were probably in their late teens, early 20s when they came out. Um, Maybe a little older, actually, because she says some of them are 40 and 50, and she's 32, 34. Yeah. Um, she's 32. So, and they're like 40, 50, so maybe a little older. But, uh, you know, and, and fan fiction has really grown between, like, the 90s and now, mm-hmm. and it's kind of been a staple part of literature and mm-hmm. television and stuff like that, and fandom in general. Um but I'm not shocked at the audience. So they're saying people who would read. I mean, we all out here, we, we all enjoy a little spot, a little, you know. But the we people. Do. But they're very enthusiastic. <laughs> they're very they, they're very charismatic yes. about her books. You know what I mean? They get excited by like oh, yeah. Shades of Grey, which is not good. <laughs> yep. They're, mm, <laughs> they're, they're, they're in it. They're really in it. Um, and there's also like, you know, a certain understanding that that type of woman, especially white women, you know, they're really deep in their heterosexual bag. Yep. So, and we know that there's a huge gap sexually when it comes to pleasure between men and women, men and women across yeah. uh, race. And 
you know, uh, I'm not trying to lean stereotypes, but <laughs> <laughs> some people just want to be married for marriage sake. Let me just say that. Yeah. And you got to get excited. A lot of us are a lot more vanilla than we want to admit. Yeah. And you get your excitement where you get your excitement. Yeah. So I'm not shocked. And like you said, they're rich white women. So she she needs that bag. You know, I'm going to smile at Crystal's face, too. She's like, yeah, you love when the vampire, the witch. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, of course. What makes them horrible, though, is the one lady says, like, I have a confession. And anybody has a group of friends, you know that when somebody says they have a confession, they're about to say the most unhinged thing you, you could ever think of. And you'd just be like, huh. But I would never think to say this in a group of people. And I think because she's gotten this fame that transcends race, they kind of forget that, like, she's black and, you know, you're black. That's that's their reaction. That's what it feels like. It feels like they've forgotten that they can't just show all their whiteness. Yeah. So this lady's like, I have a confession. Um, And it's creepy on so many levels because she's like, I go to like ohio basketball games Mm -hmm. like university basketball games um and every black boy i see which is essentially what they are because they're 18 to like 24 yep i imagine them as sebastian first of all ma'am you are old enough to be sebastian's mother okay that was very gross (laughs) it was so 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 gross and of course it feeds into the idea like as well like the sexualization of black men by black or by white women, which shows them as this like aggressive, mm-hmm. like their ideas of masculinity all center around yeah the aggression they can experience, especially sexually. Um, so it's just weird. It's just like, why the heck would you even say that? Why would you open your mouth and say that? Yeah. Um, crazy. <laughs> Very crazy. I honestly, I said, oh, well, that was said. Um, I think <laughs> Ava had the same uh, reaction I did. I'm just like, wow. And I feel like actually in this chapter, in the very beginning, during this um, 15 year um, anniversary, she's thinking to herself that maybe she doesn't consider herself as a real writer. Right, and I feel right. like having these conversations with these fans from Ohio is making her realize like, well, I'm not going to be taken seriously. Like I need to, I want to do something different. Like in the beginning, the reason why she wrote these books was to like, I think the book described it as to like tingle her I don't know, her insides and make her feel excited about something, but she no longer wants to follow this path anymore. She wants to be taken seriously. She wants to do something, a different style. And so I feel like that woman saying that almost like reminded her, like my peers are out here writing about race and like things are important to our world. And it seems like there's a big event happening at this point of the, in the opening of the book. I think that an election happened. I'm assuming this is oh, when okay. Trump yeah. was elected this or something. Post-Trump Post-Trump, okay. Oh, wait, that should give us a date. I think we're in 2019 at this yeah, point. Yeah, we're in 2019. Okay, so perfect. It's, it's, it's a Trump, Trump's America, which... Yeah. I mean, we're all technically still kind of there, but... We've always been there. <laughs> uh, but for a lot of people in the American context, yeah. this is when, you know, there, there's just a lot more activism going on because yeah. a lot of people are losing rights, are, are having to make sure their rights stay intact, um yeah yeah so i guess like with everything that's happening on the outside and then like looking at her inside and 
how her her book the reception of her book she's just like no i need to sh- shift gears yeah anyway i think at this point we also like learn about her de- debilitating um disability migraines, with the migraines yeah. which le- leads her to like excuse herself um to go to the bathroom and i think at this point her daughter's babysitter is saying girl come home your child has brought 20 kids into the house yeah she gets a, like a plethora of texts she's yeah. going through the motions which she normally does when she gets these headaches and then on top of that like Connor mentioned her child's babysitter is like your kid's running a therapist session in your house yeah I and the therapist herself is like I'm an arachnophobia I'm a germaphobe like she has like 13 billion things going on I'm just like oh my god why would you choose to be a babysitter yeah uh same time her best friend and editor Cece's texting her uh to see if she's got she wants to talk to her about something and then her t- film agent, I guess, is also talking about like they've landed a producer, yeah, and they're trying to find a director to turn Cursed into movies. Which I was like, <sighs> yeah, of course, oh, God. makes sense, makes it sense. Does. I would like to see it. It does. <laughs> Just you know, more film pollution. Great. <laughs> I feel like we're doing such an injustice. Well, I feel like <laughs> Hannah is doing such an injustice to these books. Listen, you, I'll have to read Curse to really like get uh-huh. into it, but I've mm. never really been into like the vampire or whatever. Me stuff. neither. Like I've been half and half. Um, but they sound interesting to me. I'm, okay, I'm pretty. Sh- I'm pretty sure. You know, like you know, some people love the Twilights. Yeah, and so like this is just more of like a I did reminder not like the of Twilights. it. I just wanted. I will say that on every episode <laughs> possible. I never want to be mistaken for a Twilight <laughs> lover. I'm simply a pop, pop culture person. Okay. That's, that's true. You know, you, you, sheeple. That's what you are. You're, you're uh, a sheeple person. Hold on. I wouldn't say I was sheeple. I would say I was a middle schooler trying to fit in her. Okay. <laughs> okay. That's who you are. That's that's great. I'm pretty sure I'll get used because I know that the book is I'm starting to feel like it's part of her love story with her love interest. Who That's what I'm so excited about. But, but let, 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 let's look in there. Yeah. Anyway, so now she's rushing home because she's just like, okay, what's going on in this household? Um, and this is where we learn that her daughter, Audrey, is charging her, her friends at school yep. to give therapy sessions. Yeah. $20 each. Okay. It was pricey. Very pricey. For very and simple advice, mind you. Yeah, very, very simple. Um, of course, this makes her, this makes Ava really upset. She's just like, you can't be charging people. I think she's done this before because her mom says, are you, are you charging yeah. them? I'm just like, no, she's not. She is. She's like, please <laughs> don't do that. Um, fast forward through this whole chapter, honestly. Um, she kicks, she kicks them kids out of the house. Um, because just like no and she tells him give him back the $20 so she gives every single one of them back the $20 because it's not right it's not right Audrey I'm, I believe I'm, in your dreams my my girl I really do can I tell but you but it's not right <laughs> I would have let Audrey keep the money you would because they're rich kids white kids from Manhattan that's true Why? they don't miss that $20 they don't but their parents miss it and the babysitter they was go right back. reparations if, sure it's reparations I think for me the only thought is just like now if the, this this Connor and and Jesse go back to the house and say mama Audrey took $20 for me to give me so I, I don't know it's coming back to me and she really feels very you know she's a she's a different type of mother and then she talks about it a lot in this chapter, saying that, like, she definitely is not your traditional mom. She said that if she went to, like, those mommy blogs, she would yeah. definitely be one of those women. She would definitely be attacked for her parenting skills. Right. 
she's trying her best honestly like some nights we have pizza actually most nights she says a lot some of nights, nights Audrey watches TikToks until 3am like most people but <laughs> granted though like I feel like she's a little hard on herself because again she's chronically ill yeah so she doesn't have the the energy to cook elaborate meals yeah. she doesn't have the energy to entertain a child and entertaining children takes time it so does. and she shouldn't feel bad because I feel like a lot of us grew up in front of the TV anyways and we turned That's out true. okay like That's- you know did we <laughs> did we turn out okay? Uh, I'll get back to you on that one. <laughs> Until this final form is done, I'm going to get back to you. Um, but you're right, because I feel like what she's doing right now is not too like radical and like out of the blue compared to what her mother was doing when okay, we had that flashback. Yeah, and this is, yeah. But before yeah. then, so she essentially, she kicks the kids out, mm-hmm. tells Audrey that, you know, she. I don't remember the... the language she uses but audrey knows mom's got her headaches yeah. i'll leave her alone mm-hmm. same time though her best friend and editor cc comes through and is like she's like i got something to tell you there's this panel mm-hmm. it's about race i guess race and black black art and race and just like yeah. everything because everything now as we all remember after trump got elected the only thing people asked black people was uh you know how does it affect you? you? You cannot watch one TV show I'm without somebody you. almost getting shot uh, by the police. I was tired. I'm trying to watch Insecure, and here's Lawrence. Joel's <laughs> <laughs> getting shot. I'm like, this is a comedy, okay? Yeah. So I yeah. and she's like, I'm not that type of author. Like, I write my little erotica books. Mm-hmm. You know, I got a simple following on Tumblr and TikTok and and um, Facebook. But uh, she's like, yeah, but somebody dropped out. You should come do it. And it'll help you because if people, more people know about your books, we're more likely to get a director for you. Yeah. And she's like, okay, well, who's all going to be there? And she says, Belinda Powell. I don't know her last name, but her name is Belinda. And Belinda is known. She's like, the best way I can describe her is like, she's out here with her Langston Hughes type of life. She's oh, writing yeah. poetry. She's definitely a Maya Angelou, let me tell yeah. you right now. But this, I think, does Maya Angelou have a Pulitzer? I don't know, actually. But you're right, Belinda's a Pulitzer winner. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Kendrick Lamar has a Pulitzer. But Kendrick Lamar writes very <laughs> great raps. Now, now, don't do that to Kendrick. <laughs> I'm not discrediting the Pulitzer. Okay. I'm just saying, like, I'm sure she has a Pulitzer. Like, But they don't just give them out. You know what I mean? This is this is not like a BET award, okay? Now, why do you say that? Because not everybody got a BET award. Okay. Not everybody has one. That's true. But they give, they do. I mean, Jack Harlow has one. Like, they just be giving them out. <laughs> Um, but like Pulitzer, (laughs) (laughs) but Pulitzer, that's not because there's, there's a very strict process in in order to get them. And there's so many categories anyway, to get one for writing or poetry, whatever Belinda got fantastic on her. I, that makes me feel like she's a very good writer or poet, poem, poet, uh, poet, poet, a poet, a poet. Great. (laughs) (laughs) So she's a poet. Yeah. Uh, Eva, Eva likes her. She likes her. She's cool or whatever, but she's not sure. But she's like, okay, well, you, you got to do this. And you're not wearing what you normally wear. She, the way she described her, she says she dresses like a hip hop podcaster. <laughs> whatever that means. <laughs> I'm going to go to Google images after this. <laughs> do you know what I thought about what? when I, and she's not necessarily a podcast. Well, she is actually. I thought of Angela Yee on The Breakfast Club. No. No. <laughs> but, but she just like, I was like, I don't know. She wears regular clothes. A hoodie. Yeah, yeah exactly. That's, that's what's regular to me. Okay. 
That's what I, I was thinking of. Also, all the hip hop podcasters I know, most of them are males, unless that's the vibe that uh, mm. they, because Ava did said her vibe. Like even when she wore to the fan dinner, it was like a t shirt dress. You're right. And you're sneakers. right. Like it's very okay, Belinda. All right, you know. that's who she is then. No, Cece's her friend. Belinda's giving me the event. Anyway, oh, Cece's the one. Who, sorry, my bad. We're, we're all learning new characters, y'all. We're all learning new characters. <laughs> Anyway, so she says, Cece says, I will dress you. You're going to look fine. You're going to step on the stage. You're going to give your best, uh, you know, uh, Angela Davis speech on the stage about literature. And, and it'll all be great. It'll be great. It'll be great. She's like, okay, whatever. So we go into chapter two and chapter two is a whole flashback. And we get to discover. So chapter three is a flashback. Oh, by the way, that's true. Mm-hmm. Wait, what's chapter two? Chapter two is what you just describing. Oh, okay. So in chat, before we even say that, all of this is Sunday. Because remember, it's called Seven Days in June. Yeah. So every chapter is, I think until four, is Sunday. Mm-hmm. And then Monday, we start with Monday. Okay. So chapter three, we meet Genevieve. I keep wanting to say Genevieve. Because I, it's, anyways, Genevieve Mercier, which is just Ava Mercy. Yeah. But she, she obviously has an Elias now. Yeah. Um, and at this point, Ava is 17 years old. Mm-hmm. She's living with her mother, Lizette. Mm-hmm. She, uh, they are nomads. They, they yeah. move around a, a lot. lot. <laughs> <laughs> they move around because of her mother's work. What is her work? <laughs> Well, you know how to describe it? They said that her mom rules the night and then she's more of like a... Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. So, but she's not a... Well, she is a sex worker. She's a sex she's worker. She's just not, you know, in that sense. She's more of like an escort. Or she was when Ava was much younger. Yeah. Now that she's older, of course, like, the work's a little different because, as we know, men, like, women young, there's something about... Yes, they do. A, a jovial look that just, you know, it just it's, really gets them. Oh, it's very it's nasty. very concerning. Yeah. But, uh... <laughs> and, and Ava's mom um, is described as, from my mind, a very, like, eclectic woman. Like, she's definitely yeah. in the moment kind of person. Um, she doesn't do the traditional adult things you're supposed to do, like filing taxes. She doesn't or do like, anything adult. She doesn't, like, she do doesn't anything. make dinners. She, she doesn't file taxes. She does not even go to the bank. No, she like, just <laughs> she goes where the wind blows. You know what I mean? Like she's here and, and there. And drags her child with her. And yes. honestly, she's not my favorite person so far. No. Um. So she's from Louisiana. Again, she's from Belfleur, and she comes from a long lineage of matriarchs who are from this Creole town. Mm-hmm. And for those who don't know, Creole is a type of, it's an ethnic, an ethnicity from the South of America. Uh, they are African-American, but they're mixed more with uh, like French to say. French and ev- anything in between. Yes. Yeah. Um, so from what she describes in the town of Belfleur, they all, every, it's like, every has like one of the eight last names possible. Yeah. And everybody can track themselves, unfortunately, to the same slave master and enslaved woman mm-hmm. who he did violent things to, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. And then along the way of the generations, there's a little Spanish, a little indigenous, a little something else. Yeah. But they're Creole, you know, 
Beyonce's Creole. She uh, is. Beyonce is <laughs> my favorite. My daddy, Alabama. How many Creole women do you know, Hannah? <laughs> my Louisiana. Whoever she's she your said. favorite. How many do you know? Be- one. I don't need to know one. Beyonce. <laughs> anyway, um, so we, it's early in the morning. I think her mom just came back from one of her night shifts. Um, and Ava is, I guess, like sleeping on a mattress somewhere on the floor. I also want to point out that where they live at the moment is funded by the person the mom is currently with. Well, not technically. So in the past, it used to be, they used to live like nice places because again, yeah, she was out here doing, she was a city girl. Yeah. Now that she's older, the best that she can do is like get a job from mm-hmm. these guys. And this guy is giving her a job as a hostess at his club and he's paying her double. She's doing other things, but she's technically paying for the place herself, which is why Ava's adamant telling her mother that she doesn't want any men in the house. Nope. And her mom forgets. She doesn't forget. She promises and knows she's not going to keep the promise that her boyfriends are going to be coming around. Yep. So this particular morning, um, of course, Lizette, Ava's mom, is exhausted. So she's laying down and Ava goes into the kitchen to make her mom some tea. And guess who's in the kitchen? One of her random little boyfriends. And I guess like he's sleeping or he's sluggish or God knows what's going through that. He's disgusting, can I say. God knows what's going through his his body, his veins at the moment. He's a drunk who's laying on the kitchen floor. Yeah. Um, And the minute he gets up, teeth unbrushed. Yep. 56 years of age. The first thing he wants to do with his fresh morning at 6 a.m. that the Lord has given us is to stare at a 17-year-old girl who's wearing very large clothes that you cannot see her body. Even if you could see her body, mm-hmm. it'd be like, ew, why? Mm-hmm. Um, and he's like, you look so much like your mother. Whenever I see that in any form of art, I'm like, oh, here, here we, we go. go. Yep, we already knew what was happening. <laughs> and he's like, are you like her? I'm sorry. That's <laughs> so gross. No, it was gross. And um, very gross. She's just like, in what ways? And she's she's playing around. She's like in the, like the hobbies that we have. Yeah. Or, and he asks her like, how old are you? She is, and she says she's seventeen. And he's like, you looked younger. And then you're just like, we turned on by the fact that I looked younger. He was, and, and that's the disgusting part. Very gross. Mm-hmm. And he's essentially trying to promise her the world. As men like that do, even mm-hmm. though they don't even have like a pot to piss in. Yeah. Um, she tells an awful joke about him being bald, mm-hmm. and it- <laughs> and that pisses him off. off. And I think at this point he tries to lun to lunge her. Yeah. Yeah. And then she moves. He falls, and he tries to bring her down. And yeah. I'm not sure exactly how she gets away, but she's able to get away. Runs she to punches the his ribs. Oh, right, right, she's right. She's a strong girl. Him. Yeah. Yeah. And then runs into the bathroom, locks herself in there. Um, and I think she's just sitting in the bathtub, um, shower curtains closed. And I think she's just thinking to herself, like, she wants to get the hell out of this. Like, she wants to disappear. Um, and it really, it really, like, dawns on her, like, what her mom is doing is so, is so irresponsible to her life. Because she's a 16-year-old girl, and she's been put in these situations that she doesn't want to be in. And her mom doesn't really have the care or the oh she doesn't the mom doesn't have the the eye to notice that her daughter does not want to be this nomadic um person that she is 
And so I guess in her reminiscing about this, it's, it's, it was a very sad chapter to end. I'm happy nothing happened to her in this particular chapter, but, but it was I don't clearly, know yeah. like what has happened to her in the past. Because it was clearly not the first time. Before. Yeah. Um, the mom had to pacify the man with her body. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I think her mother's careless from what she described. Very. And she comes from a line of like, you know, careless women. Hashtag generational trauma. Mm-hmm. She talks about how her mother used to tell her these stories about her mm-hmm. grandmother and her great grandmother. And she used to believe that they were not true. Like she was like, these are just tales. Yeah. And she saw a picture of them and she's like, you know what? I could I, I could believe these people used to do these things. Yeah. And I think it scared her because she was like like look at the lineage. I'm I'm doomed. I will become this. Like mm-hmm. there's no stopping this. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, but I think she's also mentioned how she's told her mom about specific boyfriends being creepy, and her mom is just always like, just be good because they're paying the rent. They're doing this. They're doing exactly. that. Exactly. Who's feeding you? Who's yeah. who's putting those clothes on your back? And I, you never. I mean, it's early days. Maybe we'll learn more. Like I didn't get the picture that her mother felt bad about the situation or even worse maybe her mom felt a little jealous of her at those situations mm-hmm. like feels in competition with her daughter um but then her mom also feels like jaded and is hurt yeah uh because she's she's not good at picking men i think for her as much as this is like a game she she truly believes that like these men like her for some reason and it's it's so strange to me i don't particularly get it um but whom whom's am i but yeah, so she's she's constantly hurt by these men yeah. that she allows into her life, into her daughter's life, and then acts completely shocked when they let her down in one way or the other. Yeah. Which is so, so unfortunate. And of course, uh, I think a little bit is the generation that she's coming from and that she's being taught by, like, you know, that you have to... you If you do enough flirting, if you do enough, men will take care of you. And then she gets shocked when, like... It doesn't end up well and, she, and yeah. she Ava even talks about like she just wishes her mom would get her own place and make her own finance her, herself through you know, a job that's a little exactly. bit more safer for her honestly but, at least be smart with your lick I don't know yeah Mm, sad i hate it when the the chapter ended with that last line where it's just like it was her first day at her new school i'm just like yeah. that sucks and her mom not once even like I don't know, because it was very early in the morning when her mom came back. It was like 6 a.m. or something. Yeah. I just felt like, you see, like this is the carelessness, the neglect that we're seeing. Sad. Very sad for young Ava. I know. Yeah. And, we're, and we meet her, and she's not technically that young. She's 17, so it makes you think, like, what happened, like, between 1 to 17? I don't want to know, girl. <laughs> that is scary. <laughs> very. Um... um Anyway, we hop into the next chapter, and this is where we are met with our love interest, Shane Hall. I'm already Team Shane Hall. Of course you were. <laughs> you know, in these streets, we fall in love quick, don't we? Very he quick. He sounds amazing. He does. He also sounds very troubled. Anyway, who is Shane Hall? Tell us, So Julia. Shane Hall is a novelist of his own, right? Yes, he is. He is actually a lot more... Uh, established yeah. than yeah. Ava is and he's written four books I mm-hmm. uh, don't remember their names and they've all been critically acclaimed mm-hmm. but he's like a mystique it's giving like Frank Ocean of the literature world he comes <laughs> no. and he goes they don't really know too much about him yeah. Doesn't speak um, much. Exactly. Um, he's also a recovering alcohol alcoholic. Yes, yes. Um and he's 26 months clean. <laughs> it's 
26 months and 14 days. There you clean, go. Okay. <laughs> yeah. But something that's funny is that he has never written a single word of his, of anything. Yeah. Sober. Yeah. So he's not written since he's been clean and he's not actually sure if he knows how to write without being inebriated in some way. Mm-hmm. So for the time being, he's clean and he's trying to be an adult. You know, he does what I wish I could do. He runs like five miles a day, puts chia seeds in his water. You know, he does that so he can stop Okay, the temptation of trying to drink. What's your point? <laughs> I want to live like that. I want- he, drinks, he drinks more water than his weight. Yeah, he's definitely... We should all drink more water. We should. Um, <laughs> And he hops or He's a nomad in his own right. He yeah. Like, but he seems like a good no, a, a vigilante, if you must. You know, he hops around in uh, to different schools that yeah. are very, very, very troubled, as we know them to be mm-hmm. across the Americas. Um, schools that like are essentially straight pipelines to prisons. Yeah, and hopes to be like the expiring teacher at that school, as yeah. we often see in like movies, a Coach Carter. Uh, a freedom writer. Yeah, that's know. exactly that's exactly how I picture Shane yeah. Hall. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Or what was those the other terms. one where they like did like a spelling bee, or was it chess oh, or something? God, I, I can't. Remember. I never watched it, but it was like a it's like a big deal. Anyways, yeah. So that's the kind of person Shane is. Like he definitely. <laughs> the book they described it as his. He goes to those schools with traumatized, abused, underfed, uncared for, often hope homeless children yeah i said okay who would who would unfortunately because of the systematic um oppression in their environment will probably end up in juvie and a lot of the kids that he coaches especially the one that we're about to be introduced to ended up in i think in a high security um detention center for missing a detention which is crazy to me yeah so i think it just establishes that he says like the school's not here to teach or anything and yeah by the time the kids have gone through this system they the only thing they'll be able to even fathom themselves as is inmates which yeah. is i mean we we know how the the prison complex system was mm-hmm. called industrial Indus- a prison industrial industrial complex. prison complex there we go you no, know we, wow. we're smart <laughs> How are we? <laughs> <laughs> we're smart people. Mm-hmm. Uh, y'all know what we were talking about. Yeah, okay? you know. Okay. Um, Angel Davis. <laughs> that. And what's that other book by Michelle? Let's not guess names around. Okay, Angel Davis. Moving on. <laughs> it's a great book. I read it in uni. Anyways, um, <laughs> y'all, we should just stop being cages. Okay. Yeah. For the most part, I'm an abolitionist. For the most part. But some of y'all be testing my patience. But, um. He himself, from what we revealed, has been through something like that. Yeah. He's been in and out of foster care his whole life. He went to juvie himself about three times before he was an adult and then kind of chose to change his life around. He found writing and it clearly, it hit off. Mm -hmm. Um, And, but at this point, he he has to go. He has to leave the school because he, he has to go to an event or something, but he knows he's not coming back to school. No. So he sees his favorite student that he's fallen in love with at school, whose name mm-hmm. is Ty, Tyree. Yeah. Tyree's in a detention, and as Thomas mentioned, he's already been to Juvie because he had missed the detention, which is crazy to when me. When I read that, I said, is that even, is that even possible? Like, are they going to pick up, are they going to pick up the child and take them straight? Like, I'm I'm very confused. Yeah. The like, part of taking to booking and then... 
I guess I just gave me that lens of like this is how severely policed and like oh yeah this this school is. I think it's a school that is, I think right now Shane is in Providence, Rhode Island. That's where I feel like that's where he is with, with Ty. Yeah. I just thought to myself, this is horrible. Absolutely horrible. Oh, yeah. He talked about, like, essentially third graders lining up for an hour being searched. I know. And I just, I was like, eight-year-olds? Eight-year-olds? Really? Just mad. Oof, and I think, like, Shane actually has experience working. Well, he I think he has been maybe um, commissioned to work with students in privileged schools as well. And he yes. doesn't really have that much care and compassion because they're no, he spoiled. Says he says, I don't give a shit about them. Yeah, he said, he's exactly like, what he told he, the He principal. said he doesn't give a shit about those kids because they don't know. Yeah. So when it comes to students of his own, so like, for instance, the one we're about to talk about, Ty, um, he definitely goes above and beyond to really, like, get in get in and try and like help if any way he can you never know what the what the end is gonna be honestly but in this situation um ty find i'm sorry shane finds ty and says like yeah i'm i'm leaving i have to present something by the end of the week so i'm leaving today and ty is sitting in a classroom i don't know if he's going through detention or anything oh god ty ty is in detention y'all and shane with the principal's permission has been allowed to go speak to Ty and his essentially telling him, well, I'm leaving. Um, I just need to tell you, like, please just don't react. Don't react to what's going on. Please don't fight anybody. Don't try and get yourself in trouble because, you know, you've already been booked in the system. Right. And the more if you continue this way, I don't know where you're going to end up. And of course, Ty being that I don't know how old Ty is, but a, a young 13, a young man, very, very young. Um, has already been faced with the hardest obstacles in life. No child should ever go through what he has gone through. Yeah. He's not convinced. He's not impressed. He's not moved by what um, Shane is saying. But he's I think a moved. Just a little. He gets moved only when Shane brings up what his interests are. Yeah. Because nobody's cared before. Because no one has cared about Ty's interests. But I think Shane is actually not moved. Like he he wants there to be a chance, but he's he knows that like of all the kids that he's ever gotten attached to, he he's nice enough to give them their number and he stays in touch. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't think... Like, he sets up an internship for Ty and in his head, he's like, I don't think Ty's going to go. No. Um, he, he knows what it what it is and he just hopes that, like... He can hope, but he's realistic, unfortunately. Yeah. And um, I feel like he lives... He li- Shane, before they um, end their discussion, he lives Ty with... Um, just parting words, which is just continue using his mantra. So Ty is actually a student who loves astrology and planets and he can Wait. name what? It's astronomy, not astrology. astrology? <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you one thing about these sign girls on TikTok and Twitter. They be tell, they be making me miss the two words. I do too. One is a joke. The other one's serious. That's why I say horoscopes because you're right because it's actually messing up with my mind yeah you see what i just said i'm so sorry y'all that's not what i meant there's a point where he's like can you name all the planets and i said i can't but i could tell you all the horoscopes like i can't name (laughs) all the planets sagittarius i like where a beyonce (laughs) sign song is dangerous in love y'all anyway (laughs) not a good song but anyways but I'm a Beyonce fan, so you know, know I gotta that, quote Beyonce every that's now and great. then. That was a waste of a Missy's feature. You I know what? We move because I'm not gonna take slander from you. <laughs> anyway, so Ty it loves planets. Um and he actually also if something so interesting is that Ty actually learned Dothraki. 
he is my he is a game of, of thrones guy but you know what he's 16 yeah 13 yeah he should not be watching that why not you know why you should not be watching okay, game right. of thrones it's a little bit i feel like it's a bit too much for someone his age but i mean if you stumble upon it enjoy the cinematography <laughs> <laughs> now that we're here um, and then Shane compares him to Arya. To, Ar- to Aya. Yeah. Um, because I had a kill list of people that she was going to execute for yeah. essentially ruining her life. Yeah. And so I think it's that same mantra that he's, tr- in terms of like memorize, like the planets in order, having Ty say that every single time that he's feeling like he's going to be, I don't know, unpredictable or, you know, out of control. Yeah. Um, and I think that was very good parting words, honestly. I think it was great. And I don't know what's going to happen with Ty, honestly. God, I only pray for kids like him. Honestly. But... Shane, I think, did his did try to do his best, and now they're saying bye to each other. Yeah, Good and luck. I've, yeah, and, and I think we weren't clear, but Ty runs uh, writing workshops. <laughs> we oh, just yeah. say he was like a teacher or something, but like I don't think he's a qualified teacher, but he does like writing work- workshops or like he tries yeah. to like tutor in any way possible. Yeah, but yeah, like he said, he he's just hoping for the best. But he also mentions like because ty asked him like do you have a mantra he says yeah but he doesn't get into specifics i already know what he says he says be good just be good he says be good and he says i learned mine a long time ago yeah when i was a boy and this girl taught me (laughs) adilia's smiling (laughs) y'all she's getting giddy oh my god oh my god i'm just saying what Shane told me. Shane told now now Shane told you. Anyway, yes, you're right. He did say that he learned something from this girl um a while back and he wanted now and then at the end of that chapter he talks about why he's going back to Brooklyn. Like he knows she's going to be there. Which is so ironic cuz he says something later that I'm like, "Wait a second. Did you not say He Anyways. knows. He was lying. Everybody here is a liar." Anyway, <laughs> He wants to go back to, I guess, make things right. Um, because at the end, it's described that Ava was a fire that he started ages ago. And for the and for too long, he just let it smolder. So it was time for him to put it out. And that's why he's going to Brooklyn to put out the fire. <laughs> and that leads us that. back to Brooklyn. <laughs> so we're back to Brooklyn. And it's a Monday now. Well, yep. It's been Monday because he jumps on a plane. That's true. Mm-hmm. And we meet Ava. She's at the event. And she's dressed down for the quads. Um, In her Gucci dress. Come on now. I don't know where Cece pulled that one from. Mm. She says her her boobies are sitting. Yep. uh, Almost to her chin. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I was like, dang. How high is that? Like, that is high, girl. Anyway. She got her hair. It is pinned straight. Yep. Uh, And she's wearing her lucky ring. Yes, a vintage ring she took from her mother. Took. She stole. I didn't like the term stole because how you steal something somebody was never going to use to be you right her mom didn't that that's her mom didn't notice any and that's why they said her mom didn't notice anything even when she stole that neglectful that vintage ring from her she's so neglectful anyway she got her lucky ring on i guess um her fine ass dress and as she she's very nervous because again she's gonna be in a panel people who are talking about race and the environment and because she writes you know a a typical a a type of genre of books everyone's gonna look at her and be like you write what (laughs) so you're gonna tell me about oppression (laughs) on top of that like everybody else is a larger author like the crowd is there to see them yeah not so much her and she's already a replacement on top of that i know she's a filler oh (laughs) she was a second maybe she was the fourth choice (laughs) 
Dang. Damn. But it's being led by Cece, her editor. So yeah. um, she's nervous, but she's trying to stay calm. She's been up all night with Audrey practicing. Yep. And Belinda, who's also on the panel, comes up. And Belinda seems nice, you know. Yeah, Belinda's very casual. She comes up and says, body, oddy, oddy. I don't know what she says, but she says something along those lines. Like, very, she very... Says, come on, body. Come yeah, on, Tess. That's what she says. <laughs> like, it's very... Okay, now you're hyping me up. You're hyping me up. That's cool. Um, she seems like a cool, I, I mean, someone who has a Pulitzer, I, I thought that she was going to be a little bit more snooty. Yeah. A lot more snooty, but she seems very down to earth, very, the a girl who you can rely on. Um, and they have a quick conversation about, um, dating, I guess. I think Ava was trying to set her up with her, her dentist or her daughter's dentist or something. Yeah. She gives the app for the Instagram. Yeah. You know, everybody got an Instagram or TikTok. Let me tell you. It's ridiculous. <laughs> I don't want to see my dentist on TikTok or anything like that. That, yeah, that would make me, um, deactivate my account. <laughs> that would just like, make what? me deactivate my dentist relationship by a different dentist. Yeah. It, it's mad but we find out that Belinda is at currently well she says she doesn't want to date um, she doesn't want to be set up with the dentist because she's currently got her eyes on a target boy and yeah, her local target I said Belinda's known to date uh, fast food workers yeah. young fast food workers yeah. uh, grocery store clerks <laughs> service workers she, she's really into the service I don't get it but okay you know she loves to serve <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah, it's very it's very chill. Everything is you know is it's, it's moving along until it's time for the actual panel. So right now we know that Ava is gonna be there, Belinda is there, Cece is gonna be the moderator, and then there's this man Khalil called Khalil, and he is gonna be part of the panel as well. He's I thought little okay, way. a little bit balanced, but you know we find we as the panel is moving along we start to get everybody's i guess way of thinking a way of speaking so belinda described as somebody who is very like matter of fact like she says things as they are ava is more of like i think she's like floating in between but she's also like throwing a little jokes here and there and that really like erupts the crowd from time and time but khalil khalil is a mansplainer khalil is a khalil is dr uma johnson khalil is a bonafide hotep <laughs> Um, I feel like we should just say it. He wrote the book. He wrote like, the Hotep Bible. It was Khalil. The things that he's saying are ridiculous and, and not even a part of the actual conversation. Like, yeah. what we should be discussing. So essentially, like, again, they're asking writers, like, the three of them, mm-hmm. how it is to write in a, in this post-Trump world. Like, mm-hmm. and, and Belinda is trying to focus on the fact that, like, right now you can't get work. You can't pitch anything. Yeah. That doesn't focus on black pain black violence towards black bodies or whatever and i think that's a common uh you know theme across genre or media forms and they even make the ava makes the joke of like imagine um you're like you can't write a girl on the train you can't write no uh, you can't write anything like that. They're gonna be like, "Yeah, but what about the suffering? Yeah, and like, where's the pain? Where's Ava, the bloodshed?" Ava makes a joke and says, um, "You know, you'll go in to write something like that, and they'll be like, what about uh, you? It'll end up being called four go- colored girls on the train when suicide isn't enough." That's <laughs> funny. <laughs> yeah, that was really yeah. funny. So you know, Ava, I feel like this is Ava is. I don't know. Like she in the beginning, I thought she was very like shy and maybe she wasn't really sure of herself being on that panel but she really does have 
you know, a funny way of speaking. Like, she's very sarcastic. She yes. definitely has... She definitely knows where to throw the jokes, what's appropriate. So I kind of like when she said that. That's really funny. No, that was hilarious to me. Yeah. Um, and then while they're having this nice conversation, Khalil's in the middle talking about, I hate... First, first of all, he belittles... He's like Hannah. He belittled Ava's work. <laughs> belittled? <laughs> now listen. And Khalil called her work fluff. Called her work. Dog, it's not even fluffy to begin with. <laughs> called her work fluff. Called her work mm, just there. I didn't say anything like that. I didn't say nothing like that. I'm not building Ava's work. All I'm saying, it's not my it's not my type of genre. Like, I would not go diving into any book about vampires and, uh-huh. like, blood. Like, I, that was never, ever my thing. I'm very honest about that. I've never, never, not once. I can do Afrofuturism. I can do anything along those lines. But vampires? Now you're playing with me. So, she... <laughs> and <Anyways>. witchcraft? <laughs> all right. All right. Anyways. <laughs> He's talking about he, he doesn't even really believe in the idea of, like, writing anything that isn't made to to question and dis- dissect yeah. and criticize white patriarchy in its fullness. No, let me not say patriarchy, whiteness, because he doesn't really, everything he says is about this and that emasculates the black man. Mm-hmm. He doesn't like Black Panther because it, uh, what do you call it? It It's like this fictional world. Yeah. It's not really saying anything. And it's like, Let's just enjoy the day. He like he doesn't like Black Panther, but he doesn't like the Black Panther, but he likes Eric Eric Killmonger though. Like I think he mentioned. Oh, and that. this is the worst part. And you know what? I have to say a lot of you lack critical thinking. Yeah. Because he says, uh, Eric Killmonger, you know, we didn't actually let him that brother was a bona fide he was genocidist. A <laughs> he was a menace to society. Honestly. I would not why would you want that person to be a leader of any country, any household? I wouldn't even want the leader him to be the leader of his of himself, okay? Because he he was doing nothing for us. Honestly, you were no. burning things yeah. up. You, you cannot equate that to like you helping us. You're not doing anything. You're destroying Anybody communities, you're destroying the environment. Words like empire, control. There's nothing good coming from no. that. It's and violent. This is what I say y'all lack critical thinking. Yeah. Because a lot of you left Black Panther and you're like, Eric Hillmonger was right. And I'll admit, he had the root of what he was saying, you know, there was something there. But the way in which he executed his ideas was, was not any better. And it not to say that the Wakandans were right either, because sitting on millions of weapons yeah. for centuries. But anyways, um, but then he's saying all that and it's like, he's not a good person. He's not a good person at the end of the day. Y'all need to just think a little, just think a yeah. little bit more. And... Also, let's just have a good time. Let's just go in and have a good time, you know? You know, Kelly doesn't want that. Kelly wants to see, where is the bloodshed in the strip? <laughs> where is the blood? I'm not seeing anyone drawing blood, which I, I don't like. I feel like and this is where, like, even Belinda was talking about, like, I think when she tried to write her first novel, it was talking about an architect and, I don't know, somebody in another very, like, acclaimed profession. Um, they witnessed a murder um, and they were... <laughs> this is her book. This is her book oh, idea. Right, right, right. They witness right. they witness a murder, but then they spent that whole night just having um bedroom conversations. And then when she presented this idea to I guess like I don't know, editor or publishing house, they're just like, So how about we talk about how difficult it is for black people to be in roles as like an architect or like a professor or whatever? And she's just like, No, 
they're just they're just having fun you know what yeah. i mean so you do you ask you where the fun they won't let us have fun <laughs> they won't they and won't I, I think this book for me reading this now and having ava write what she writes is so interesting to me because i think there has been like and Kalila does eventually acknowledge that and i always say it's like part of black resistance is just letting black people be yeah. Because at the end of the day, we're just not allowed to be. Just be. It's not every day, rah, rah. It's not every day fits, fits in the air. Sometimes <laughs> I just want to be a couch potato. That's and that true. Means, the fact that I can do that, that is a lot more than some of my ancestors could do. Okay? That's true. <laughs> That's true. And Ava's writing, like, it allows Black people, and she mentions, like, what she writes, we don't see Black people in fantasy. We don't see them as vampires, as witches, as No, we whatever. don't. Um... And we know how people react when they do. Look, Little Mermaid's coming out. I'm so excited not to see the movie so that y'all can stop talking about a black mermaid. <laughs> because she's not real. Because mermaids don't exist, y'all. Did you know and that? you're so angry about it. And it makes me so upset how angry you are. No, the outcry <laughs> that some of y'all had over this announcement of Haley being the black, mer- the black mermaid. <laughs> But the, the the mermaid, the little mermaid, um, was it was funny to me because this this thing that y'all speak of this this mermaid does not exist in our world. And so it could be anything. That, it could be it could be Haley. It could be me. It could be this computer right here. <laughs> and on top of that, mermaids are not exclusive to white folklore. No, a lot of us. I know my Haitians, my Dominicans, my West Africans know what we're talking about. There's folklore about mermaids beautiful women who lived in the water yeah who would seduce men like so it's not like you guys only the nordic folk own mermaids yeah which again are not real no i think about like john boyega's uh, in star wars i personally never watched it but like just how much you know garbage he and every other ca- uh, cast member of color got being in the in the Star Wars franchise and how they weren't even able to make him the front man of the whole thing. Yeah, that was ridiculous. And he just hate you could tell he hated that. He was so he glad was, to be out of that Disney. Let me tell contract. you the moment it was done, he said, Let me let me tell y'all what he was said, going on. Let me talk my shit. As, as he should. <laughs> what I'm really waiting for is for y'all to cast Idris Elba as the James Bond, but we move on. No, no, let we're we're over that. He's not doing that anymore. He's I'm still waiting. Him. You think I'm going to? You think I'm going to lose the opportunity to see him on TV? He I don't care if he doesn't want, want it. it. Just go care. watch Luther. It's essentially the same thing. But Actually, darker. Yeah. I'm going to add it on my 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 I watch love list. Luther, but. Yeah, but that's what they're saying. And actually, right now, I'm watching this show. I put it on pause, but it's called Interviews with a Vampire. And it's like a revamp oh, yeah, I've heard of, this. of the 80s show. And it's played by Jacob Anderson, who plays Grey Worm yeah. in Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. Um, and funny enough, like uh, Ava, he is a vampire. I believe he's Creole in New, or- New Orleans, mm-hmm. like 19-something. I think 1960s, maybe mm-hmm. 1940s. And of course, it's just, it's an interesting to, you know, because at the end of the day, we don't live in a post-racial world. So even if we are including those things, race is going to be a conversation to a certain, you know, team. Mm-hmm. but uh, it is what it is. You know, people got mad when they saw black Targaryens. It's, <sighs> I don't know. Let's just, let's just be like, oh, yeah, damn. Yeah, yeah. I, I also think it's wild to, for y'all that you imagine a world where you don't see people of color. I I don't even think it's well at all. I mean, look around you. I mean, I think I some of y'all are just one tone in in every like in your in your lenses. That's how people see it. It's, it's what we're fed. 
So I'm not even surprised that's how y'all think. And so when you see something that has a, li- a tint of, of texture, a little, a little bit of color here, they start acting shocked. They say, since when? That's not possible. <laughs> um, and honestly, it's not a very far from theory, honestly, to have people of color play in any environment because we live in every environment across yeah. the globe. Anyway, I digress. Actually, we digress. <laughs> So essentially the panel is having these same emotions that Dylan and I are expressing right now. Like yes. it's just going through everything. Um, and so as they're in the panel and and they're discussing these various topics around race and black people, um, Cece, who the moderator, looks across the room and sees Shane. And where and she gasps. She audibly gasps on her mic and says, Oh my God, Shane? It, and everybody, gasps. everybody is turning around. <laughs> I told you he's like Frank Ocean. He's a big deal. Yeah, he is, he, Shane is a big deal. They said that apparently he went to J. Cole's wedding in North Carolina, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the only reason they knew is because he said something funny to the waiter. And he's known to take like selfies with his students. Yeah, but like he himself doesn't really interact. Tell me that's not uh, Frank Ocean. Yes, it is. It is Frank Ocean. It's, it's giving Frank for sure. Um, and so obviously Shane being in this room has sparked a lot of distraction in the audience. And so everyone's looking around saying, no way. Is this Shane? Shane Hall is here. <laughs> um, so Cece encourages him to come up on stage because this is a great opportunity to like have this person who's rarely seen outside his home or wherever he habits. Um, in, in, in person with other people. So he encourages him to come on stage. And so now he's walking onto stage. And at this point, it's 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 giving very slow motion because our girl, Ava, who is on the panel, has not seen Shane since, I guess, they were in 2004. 12th, so 12th grade is when the last time they yeah. saw each other. So you can just imagine, like, just the shock that's going through her body. Like, she I know she's trembling. Her mic, but because everybody else was reacting, nobody particularly cared. <laughs> I'm sorry, Ava. <laughs> um, yeah, that's yeah, that's tough. <laughs> and and um, yeah, Cece's like, come on stage, come on stage. Yeah. He's like, no, I just came to hear a show. Right, okay, we buddy. know why you're here. Um, so he makes his way to onto the stage, and so he hugs Cece and shakes Khalil's hand. Um, and then you know greets Belinda, but when he gets to Ava, he, he says, says, "Hi, I'm Shane." She's like, "I'm Ava." And so like um, now the thing is that. <laughs> How, what's a gap that that year gap it's been how long like 14 years 15 yeah years i'm gonna reintroduce myself because that is a long time i'll be like i know you and i've known you intimately before but maybe you're different now no no they're say, just lying you, so you, you want them to, you want them to hug and you like cannot trick me you guys are pretending because <laughs> of your history from the 12th grade you are grown. You are a mother. Say hey, Shane. And she even lied to Belinda. It's like, oh, I don't know him. I've never, I've. Right. But, you know, adding to the mystique of Shane, Khalil's, Khalil says, like, he tried to interview him once. He showed up late. He <laughs> he was just jibber jabbering about not Okay, Frank Ocean. <laughs> I told you. Yeah. And what did Frank Ocean do the last two weeks? He went to the Coachella, did not perform. Yeah, they were upset with Mr. Ocean. <laughs> they were really upset with that man. Mr. Ocean is crazy. Yeah. <laughs> they really were. Like, to be honest, he was disrespecting the crowd, but that's another that's story. Um, so Shane walks up to the stage, um, do a little greetings, and someone just pulls up a chair. You know what I mean? So yeah. 
right at this point, Belinda and Kill are actually sitting between Ava and Shane. So they can see each other from across, but yeah. not really. But I guess they're looking at each other and being like, wow, like time has gone by. And, you know, he's still looking handsome. Okay. That's what they're describing. Okay, fine. And he's still he's still looking a little bit handsome. She's he has aged, of course, but like aged in the finest way. Yes. <laughs> Why Somebody am I laughing? I don't know. <laughs> um and so now they're taking questions from the audience because I feel like at this point everybody has said their piece. Let's let let me let me ask the audience. <laughs> and so someone asked um Shane a very interesting of course they're gonna ask Shane a question because Shane is the star at this point of the show. Yes. And they ask him how he I guess like his mindset when he is writing from a female perspective um for his one of his characters in his most popular book called Eight, which I'm assuming is a horror genre. I think that's what Shane writes in, like horror or like I don't remember something along those lines. But what I do know about the books is so Eight is a recurring character. She's the constant narrator within all four of his books. Mm -hmm. She is a depressed, angsty teen. Mm -hmm. She uh, you know, deals with like self-harm and depression and and just the the toxicity of her environment. So he there whatever whatever's happening in his books, the 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 what do you call it? Oh my God, English. The location mm-hmm. is always like this unnamed neighborhood that is all about the same, which it's probably a description of Shane's own, like where he's grown up and stuff. And we just talked about him showing up in neighborhoods where the kids are very, very, very disenfranchised. Yeah. So I imagine it's the same thing. And she's the constant narrator. And, and yeah, they're like, so how do you, I think it's actually Ava who adds on to it. Like, you're always writing from this female lens, what do you know about being a black girl? Yeah, and then he tells her, well, what do you know about being a vampire and a man? And I said, touche. <laughs> and Belinda said, bloop. And I said, you know what? <laughs> you got me there. <laughs> because, to be honest, yeah, what do what do you... What's not fair? Yeah. Vampires aren't real. I can write anything about a vampire. That's true. But he, but... Doesn't, he doesn't just say, like, the vampire. He also mentions you write... The vampire, Sebastian the vampire is a male, a black man. Yeah, exactly. And you are not a black man. Exactly. The way in which, but he's complimenting her. He's like... Yes, like how he does it. So the way Shane answers questions is... It really, it really does t- show you how his mind works. He's a very intelligent man. He definitely knows what he's saying when he's speaking. He's very meaningful with his words. So he essentially rebuttals by saying that, well... You know, I feel like you writing these books, you know, a vampire (laughs) from a male perspective, you wrote the characters so well. It seems like you have almost mastered this idea of masculinity inside your books. And I feel like that's a reason why people should admire your work. And And I think like... I think he ends up calling her work like a feminist fantasy or something like yeah. that. And I feel like I feel like because it's coming from Shane the Hall, everybody in the audience who probably has never heard of Ava except or her the book, one fan in the back, except that one middle aged like man. No, because she says her main audiences are white cis women. Oh, and, and then, queer black men and queer. No, 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 queer. It's I think it's I think it's queer. Um, is it queer black? It's queer black men, and you know what? That makes a lot of sense because even within like our own outside of the book pop culture, nobody keeps certain queens alive, their history, no. their iconic levels no. like queer black yeah. men. So it, it makes sense. But uh, queer black men from which generation? It's not. I'm not talking about like. Not, not RuPaul's, is it? 
I don't know. I guess it would have to be anywhere between the ages of like eighteen to fifty okay. again because of when the books were written and stuff like that's that. That's what I'm. That's what I'm thinking. Or maybe too. her age mate, so like thirty. Yeah, because yeah. I'm. I'm thinking it has to be there. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not assuming it's like a Gen Z person. No. No. Um. But yes, those, that's that's her. That's her target audience. On top of that, but of course, the white women overflow because they are. And they got the money. And they got the money to go on the little tours and the yeah. little and buy the books because books are expensive. Um, and so when Shane rebuttals talking about how well Ava is able to write these um, male personalities in her book, she's shocked by his response. Well, shit, sure, so was I because I was just like, damn, like you, you ate, <laughs> you made points A, B, and C, and yeah, you took it home. You like, took it I home. Was already interested in the book yeah. personally, and I was like, oh my god, let me get into it. So now. This is the point when Shane described it where I'll be like, oh, okay, so this is interesting because I feel like maybe it has not been, maybe it has not been portrayed in that sense or maybe her PR for her books has been so focused on like on these Ohioan white women who love it that yeah. I was not able to see outside that. I'm just thinking to myself, is this, if this book is attracting this type of crowd, I'm like, I don't know what kind of book this is. No, really. I'm like, do I want to? associate myself wow with- <laughs> no. here she go y'all no but do i like stacy likes the book and stacy's from so you've never liked anything that stacy aren't you a one tree hill fan i was not a no, no. i watched one episode <laughs> one episode and now i'm going to be executed for it <laughs> fine if that if, if i have to so die if I put the theme no song problem. on you won't sing it that theme song by the way is so popular across the board that song was made before One Tree Hill. It was not made for One Tree Hill. Whatever. No, Aren't you it's a not Sex and the City fan? Because a lot of the white no, girls... I like Sex and the City Yeah, okay. Sure. But not okay. only the white girls yeah, like okay. it, but a lot of a lot of people like a lot of people generally like it. Just because oh, it's one of those radical... Of no, because it was a 2000 and it's one of those radical shows that were showing up. Was it radical? Right. It was. I mean, you haven't watched a day. You haven't watched a single episode, so I don't know. That's what you a know. lie because I've sat here and you rewatched. You know what I like ones. about you, Dilla, is that you would take one little piece of a discography and claim it to be true when you have what? not watched the whole thing. So how can so you? So I say have anything? to watch the whole thing to come to conclusion. I've watched a good amount. Anyway, anyways, we're gonna skip through this because I don't know why my girl's coming for me. Because anyway, you gave cursed an unfair chance. Are you the spokesperson for cursed? I am. This is ridiculous. You call me a cursophile. All I said, <laughs> all I said is that I was not into, like, my per- my personal preference that I am not really into, like, vampire stuff. Like, I'm, I'm just genuinely not. I Never mean. been into that stuff, ever. Ever. So, obviously, when I see this, I'm approaching it with reluctancy because I'm just like, oh, I don't know because it's not my kind of thing. I know. But the way <laughs> Shane, but the way Shane described it, Maybe and he he dived into like the whole ideas like the complicated um, direction of masculinity and how like this relationship is going by. It made me you know it, it picked an interest in me a little bit and I was thinking to myself maybe you know this this might be an interesting read. I'm gonna put it in the back burner. You know what I mean? Maybe one day I'll come uh, come and approach it. Um, and Ava was speechless by his response to it. Um, and honestly, she was flattered. That means that he has read every single book. He One to every single word. He's essentially a stalker at this point. He is. And, he um, says, and you know what? Between this and Honey and Spice, I love the male characters just being out here. Just 
total fangirl for whatever the female character was. You know why he was a fangirl? Because the book was written for him. Anyway, you so know he what? Said, you just hate so he said when he, Why would you say that? When Shane went through every word, every book, he said, oh, so this girl really be talking about me? Okay, no problem. I'm gonna meet her in Brooklyn and I'm gonna confront her and say, why this book about me? <laughs> We're saying that like because he's not writing Sebastian so, so and Shane sound very interesting to and me. And do you know who else sounds interesting? What? Genevieve and Eight. Eight and Genevieve. Exactly. Also sound They're writing about each other. But I think also the way in which he describes uh, the love story between Gia and Sebastian is like he says, uh, he's like, you, he knows, Sebastian knows that he's not good for Gia and yeah. he knows that their love is volatile. And, you know, they know that they can't be with each other because it's not going to end well. But yeah, he he also knows that Gia will be OK without him. But he doesn't see like Sebastian will be OK without Gia. And, you know, I love me a book in a book. Sir. Corny. <laughs> Anyways, things are going to get saucy. That's all I'm about to say. <laughs> no, I really I really do like the in uh, underlayered um, references there. It, it it it's a very interesting um I feel like it's a very interesting book. I would not, if it came on the shelves in Indigo or Chapters, I'll be there. I'll, I'll be like, okay, all right, what is um, what is Heather saying today? <laughs> Heather's saying? Yeah. Funny enough, both the books that we've picked so far, they've all been on Reese Witherspoon's book club list. Yeah, and they okay, both they're have very sticker. popular books. <laughs> yeah, I've been seeing, I've honestly been seeing this cover everywhere, so I'm really glad that we're, yeah, we're getting to like dive into times. it. Um, Anywho, I think from this point, after the whole, you know, the gag, um, they're all sitting there, and I guess, the, I guess, the taking questions from the audience is done at this point. They do ask Shane one more question, like they try and bring it back to the uh, actual yes, panel, do. and how race, uh, the current climate dictates his work, and he's he essentially is like, respectfully, I don't care about this, just like the current climate, yeah. I don't write or respond to it because my whole life like some of you are just picking up that things in this country are horrible yeah i've been living that since i was a kid i first experienced it when we realized like when he was eight years old i guess i want to believe it was and to even just say just is sad Mm -hmm. but he was left when he was in juvie at eight years old he was stuck in a room with a security guard who was harmful towards him yeah and i i want to believe he he just was physically violent and even saying that is is honestly mm. is crazy. But he he lets us know like this. That's when my journey with race begins. And uh, for a lot of black people, it starts. It, they say it's like six years old. So yeah, um, it starts starts very young. Yeah, you start to realize very quickly. Like oh, okay, oh, yeah. this is this, this is gonna go on till what? Said so, well, as long as you're here, girl. <laughs> As long as you're here, which is very sad, very. but that is the reality. And I think I, I think even Shane just ends up telling this person who asked that question, like, "Listen, y'all, you fix it." Because the person who asked was a yeah. white liberal, just like, "Listen, it's not your turn, okay? Yeah, <laughs> I've, I'm I'm living it. You try and fix it. Good night, everybody." <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. Like, it's it's I'm so tired of like asking black people, "What do you think the problem is?" Trust me, y'all know what the problem is. You just don't want to do yeah. anything about it. If you really wanted to do something about it, you would have done it. But now we're wasting time having panels yes and um yeah here we are and here we are so at this point the you know the panel is done shane has done his thing um i think ava is actually pretty she ends she ends in a very i think she's upset at this point just because 
she prepped for the panel. She did not yeah. feel like she was going to do well, but she was killing it with her little jokes here and there and her yeah. her opinions that really are, you know, that really stood out. Um, but Shane, of course, being this acclaimed author, comes in and, like, monopolizes the entire event and, like, you know, he answers the questions in such a great way and everybody's like, wow, like, it's Shane Hall in person and they're taking videos and pictures. She's almost like, she's questioning herself, like, why is this man here? Why is this man come here to disrupt my life? And yep. she gets very upset. And after that, they we move on to the final chapter that we're going to be discussing in the podcast, which is chapter seven. And at this point, um, it's post-panel. Everyone's just, you know, chilling around. Some people have left. Some people are still here. Everyone's taking pictures. She does have a crowd of people who are now interested in her books, which is yeah. great. So thank you, Shane, for, you know, calling her book a, a feminist fantasy with, like, great, great, like, arcs of different characters so everybody's gonna take your word and go buy the book hopefully and make my girl more money um and she gets a text from her daughter saying that she that she forgot to buy the different like construction paper for her project yeah Oh, Can I gosh. just say Audrey's a good kid because she, she didn't is. do like what most kids do is like the night before. Mom, I have a yeah. project. Do you the morning? Like you could be <laughs> rushing your teeth and getting ready for bed, and your daughter's talking about yeah. We need to go dollar store and get construction paper. Like why? Why are you doing this to me? <laughs> and like you have to because like you don't want your child to show up to school with, with no nothing. With nothing. Like it's that's embarrassing for them. Audrey's been nice now. She's given like a week's notice and yeah. she's reminding her like I still need this stuff. She's doing assignments on feminist icons and she's chosen her grandmother mm-hmm. and we find out that Ava's essentially told a couple white lies about who her mother is. <laughs> she says at, at its warp, at its best it's revisionist history. Yeah. At its worst it's blatant lies. Yeah. So, you know. Uh, it must be, I mean, looking at the flashback chapters that we went through, like her mom was definitely a piece of work. So I don't really know if she wants to like re-traumatize herself by telling her daughter how I guess like in this context would be like this is awful parenting her how her her mom was so she probably just said a few little lies here you know what I mean a few little you know decorations here and there and yeah there you go (laughs) that's what you have um and so um after she looks up from her from her phone um (laughs) she she sees Shane standing there a little awkward in the back corner just you know <laughs> hanging out and I think like he mouths to her to come here and then she's just like no how about you come here instead um anyway he makes his way to her and um they're awkward of course because they yeah, haven't they seen each other in over each other yeah like, which is how would you but what, but oh so oh, you go that- first Oh yeah, you oh, sorry, go, you go you first. Go first. Oh, no, you go first. You sorry. No, you oh, okay. Uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So do you uh, wait, sorry. <laughs> that essentially that's how it was. Like just mm, yeah. It was it was it was kind of cringe, but you know, it happens. It happens. It's like waving to the wrong person. You know honestly, what I mean? <laughs> they eventually get their words out and Ava's like, "Can you meet me at this cafe on Thursday?" Yeah. Let's just have this conversation. Thursday? What day are we at? What was it Thursday? No, tomorrow. Yeah. So Tuesday. Yeah. And she's like, he's like, yeah, of course. And, but then he first, he lies. He's like, I didn't know you were going to be here. I yeah, just that's what threw me panel. off. I said, why is he lying? And I was like, wait a second. You just talked about how you had to go see this person. Yeah. Was, to, to make amends or whatever yeah. you're talking about. Now he's saying, oh, I didn't lying? expect you to be okay. here. Right. All right. right, buddy. Sure. Um, And she's like, yeah. And then she stops and she says, stop writing about me. 
And he, she's, she looks at his face and he looks, essentially he looks gratified. Yeah. Like he's been waiting for her to say that. Yeah. I think he's happy that he, he knows that she reads his stuff. Yeah. And he knows that she knows that it's, it's about her. Yeah. And he says, you first. And I was like, and that's how that chapter ends. You know what, Tia Williams, you won. You won me there. <laughs> no, it was, it was, it was definitely giving. Okay, okay, let's keep going. I wanna, I wanna see how this unfolds. I actually totally forgot to even mention that. I think in the first chapter or the second one, we find out that Ava has a tattoo on her wrist that says F. Right. And and tell me why Shane has a tattoo on his wrist that this says is G. G. And I said, <laughs> now hold on. If I put two and two together. S stands for Sebastian, G stands for Gia. Well, but G stands for Genevieve, which is her childhood name. And, and then S is the shade. And I said, oh. <laughs> I said, I see what y'all did. Okay. Corny. And funny enough, her her Facebook fan group figured it out. Yeah, they did. I, and they're like, and Shane has hazel eyes. And I was like, oh, oh. no, y'all are quick. I hate stands. I love stands. <laughs> because you have to, because you can always rely on a stand to get you the information that you need. Listen, Honestly. they will be searching. I remember when Beyonce was, was dropping her album, Renaissance. Um, and like on her Beyonce.com page, she had all like these different like elements on it. It was very scattered. Like nobody could read it. Like what's going on here, B? Like what is this? Is it supposed to be a happy birthday note? <laughs> um, and then if you really like zoom in, you're going to see Brandy's album, which is called B7. And then Beyonce, like a picture of her pointing to it, yeah. which signified that her album was coming out. When Beehive showed that to me on Twitter, I said, I am not a stan. I'm that, just even a if fan. you're saying it, that I'm sounds absolutely bonkers. And you know what? They were actually right because you know what? A couple a couple of weeks later, she announced that her album's coming out. Ain't that bonkers. crazy? Crazy, crazy, crazy! Everybody needs a hobby, a real one. Um, Let me tell, I leave it. To, I leave it to the them, and I just go ahead and just like, follow, and share. <laughs> <laughs> which is what y'all should do for the podcast anyway that was the end of the first seven chapters of seven days in june by tia williams yes yeah, it's a strong start yeah uh i so far both characters are very heavy um yeah. i'm ready to get into the lurb of y'all course you are <laughs> Of course, y'all can. But pretend. we all are. We all are. You can pretend. Oh, I'm mad at each other. That's not my business. Just let's get to the making up part. That's why I'm here. Okay. <laughs> yeah, you can be mad. Oh, he hurt my. Okay. Cool. 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 We know you're <laughs> now, gonna. When do we get to the loving? When do we get to the loving? Um, it's coming. I'm pretty sure it's coming. I really. One thing I really like about um this book is just how it's organized. I love the idea of having chapters from um Sunday to to Monday, or is it no wait? Sunday. When is when do we start? We start Sunday. on a Sunday, so and we go Sunday, all Monday, the way through the week. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, yeah. Saturday. So, so we go on Saturday most likely. Yeah. I'm hoping that's that's correct. But I like the way it's I like the way it's it's formatted in that way. I think it's very cute to me. It makes me like say, okay, wow, like it's we're in a very time limited space, but a lot is being unfolded, a lot is being uncovered. I'm just like, this is so nice. Because it lets me know like also like Y'all are going to pretend to be mad at each other from Tuesday to Wednesday. Then by Thursday, we're offing pants. Yeah. Like, that's what's going to be happening. <laughs> offing pants. Thank <laughs> <laughs> you, nasty. <laughs> well, that's what's going to happen. Yeah. Eventually, we're, we're waiting for the And I hope it's a beautiful, beautiful hot uh-huh. day. Mm, 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 mm. I'm waiting. In, in Manhattan? Yeah. Yeah. In I can't Brooklyn. wait. Brooklyn. 
in Brooklyn, sorry. They're in We're Brooklyn. We're in the BK. Yes, we are in the BK. Sorry, Jay. <laughs> um, anyway, I'm really excited to see how their love story begins to unfold. I'm also really excited to see what happened in 12th grade, y'all. I know, for you to hold on for 15 that's years. That's a like, long that's time. Crazy, and also, and she did say that she, sometimes she would think about him. Yeah. But not like his name, but just maybe like his warmth. Yeah. Like his, his presence was around her. Like he was almost like watching her. Crazy. I know. Anyway, and I also like that we're seeing like both perspectives as well. So it's written in third person. So yes. we get to like really see like Shane's emotions, Ava's emotions, yeah. maybe even Audrey's. Like we're just really getting into it I and love emotions. it. I do. I want to see how this this tyrant ends up being a, she's a, not a, a leader in the world. <laughs> well, she's not a tyrant, but she's very assertive. She's very, I can definitely say she's very confident for her age, which is great. Oh, the yeah. Young kids should definitely have that. Um, Especially a little white girl or a little black girl in a in a white private school. Yeah, she very much needs that confidence. Well, she's not really good at geography though. Oh yeah, because she didn't know where British Columbia was, but yeah. she's also American, so still my friends. <laughs> I mean, because no offense, but America, like... <laughs> North America, like at this point, Americans you're it's on your continent. Geography, that's like a known. It's not even a stereotype. We see y'all do the quizzes on TikTok. We see your tests. Most of you don't even know the fifty states. We see it. It's I'm true. not even some of them don't up. even travel out of their state, so it's like that's another thing. So yeah. I'm not shocked that she she thought there's British people at Columbia, as she said. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Um, thank you guys for tuning in. We will see you next week for their other chapters. Bye. Bye.